Where do you think you would find an Imperial Sour Milkshake Pastry Stout? IPA. <laughs> Would it just be in its own little like uh, a little city loop? Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say it, it, and, it would. It would until be the... the engine disappears <laughs> up the caboose. It would be the uh, terminus station at Nonsenseville. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryomalt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryomalt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partners and they are proud sponsors of this. And this is Brews News Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum. G'day, Matt. Matt Kierkegaard, welcome. Oh, mate, you sound underwhelmed. Lockdown. Yeah, lockdown. <laughs> it's all just getting a bit tish now. Uh, a bit, and, and, bit over it. Sometimes it just takes everything you can just to go, I'm not going to get caught up in the in the negative. I'm just going to turn all these red thoughts into green thoughts. And red thoughts into green thoughts, we're being given a lot of red thoughts at the moment. So um, there's a you know, there's there's plenty of um, base material to work with. At least reading the commentary and hearing the sort of news, it sounds like there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, like you can see a glimmer that's you know not racing towards you with the speed of a train. Yeah, well, that's yet to be determined. We'll see what happens. Yeah, no regional Victoria as of um, by the time you're listening to this podcast in real time um, will be uh, opened. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll just take it bit by bit. Um, yeah, very interesting. The projected landscape is looking more and more uh, hazy, I think, in terms of particularly – and look, you know, we're we, we obviously talking about beer. So beer is related to hospitality. You look at, you know, venues, brew pubs, bars, breweries, beer halls, that sort of thing. You know, everyone talking about moving to outdoor models um, and spacing and, and all that sort of thing. And there's just a lot of ridiculous um, bureaucratic nonsense that's tied in around or, you know, separate from um, any sort of medical advice. And so it's, it's difficult for people, I think, to plan ahead to how things are, are going to look. So uh, I, my guess is that there's a lot of, I've spoken to quite a few Mates in the uh, in the in the industry in the last co- in just in the last week and yeah there's there's a lot of planning that's uh, that's going ahead of as to how people might so I, I think to sum it all up I think a lot of things are going to look very different oh well, good luck thank you Matt. and I'm I'm sorry I can't actually bring some uh, you know other voices uh, to keep you company this morning we it's just you and I. Yep, just you, me, and the crickets and the tumbleweeds, but that's all right. Jimmy's uh, working his opening today, so we, we don't have him, and Claire's still on holiday. She will be back next week. All right, enjoying her holidays, I'm sure. A shout out to her. We do miss you, Claire. We miss the we, we miss the boom in the room. Uh, but there has been what well, has been a lot of news because uh, <laughs> nice segue. Yeah, because you've been away, Claire. Nobody's been writing anything. No, um, that's not so. entirely true. I've been uh, I've been here to do the news. It's just been a you know. Uh, at Bruce News, we do the responsive news, you know, where something happens and we report on it. And then we also, um, you know, do the over-the-horizon stuff where we're looking at what are the emerging trends and issues that we, we need to dig a little bit deeper and go looking for stories. And, you know, so there just hasn't been much actually happening to respond to this week. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it, it's uh, not... not just keeping the squirrel on the wheel or the hamster on the wheel. We've upgraded to a squirrel these days, Pete. Um, <laughs> uh, just keeping the hamster on the wheel, uh, you know, doesn't really give me the time to sort of do the over the horizon stuff. So, uh, but as yeah, a theme, I, I think it's pretty much sums it up though. When um, you know, when our opening story is the beer equivalent of um, hot cross buns are available in Coles now. Yeah, it, <laughs> and that's well, our lead story. That just a happens beer, to be the order that, that uh, producer Joe has put them in. It's not certainly not in order of importance this week, um, but it was just one that I. Came across my email. I'd actually seen it a couple of times in the last week or two. You know the readying process for the the, the Christmas sales trade. With um, I've seen Audi has been teasing a uh, advent calendar that apparently a has beer, a beer advent calendar. Well, no, it's not. It's a drinks. Oh, it's ad, just their advent calendar. It's an advent calendar for drinks because they include a couple of seltzers. Apparently, um, I think Brewdog has been teasing um, their advent calendar and then yesterday i got the email from beer cartel and i thought right okay three that's actually you know it, that's actually a trend the leader of the pack i would i would say in the in the can vent space is um is carwin sellers and g'day to ben and the crew out there who i know are uh, working very hard and, and doing it a bit tough at the minute but um 
he would be in a lucky position, I think, in that he would have so many back orders left over from people who missed out last year that I don't think he'd even need to advertise this year's Canvent calendar. Yeah. Are you are you are you into a map? Are we perhaps not the target Mate, market? I'll be honest, I don't. Um, and it, it it's not. I, look, if I didn't do the job that I do, I would. I probably would. Um, but I mean. The, the, the top shelf of my fridge is so full of samples that I'm trying to work my way through and still stay healthy um, that going out and, you know, buying an advent calendar that's another, you know, what, 24 or 25 beers I need to drink in the lead up to Christmas um, on top of socialising is probably just a bridge too far for me. So I'm, I'm not anti them um, and I'm not uh, against them, but I just find it very hard to justify other than purely supporting the businesses and you know, um, yeah. you know, giving my hard-earned. I think particularly post-COVID or, or you know, mid-COVID uh, and particularly, I guess, for Victorians who have, um, as I said last week, you know, we've, we've got some birthdays through this month and... Um, there's a lot of stuff where we're giving each other IOUs because the stuff that we've ordered, you know, three, four weeks ago um, is just not turning up. Um, my poor <laughs> daughter who just turned 17 on uh, Friday last week, um, so the Friday that the last podcast came out, uh, her friend literally the next suburb away um, posted her a card and some handmade cookies and um, uh, three weeks later they got here, I think, yeah, two days ago. Um, not quite inedible form although the card was nice but I, I, I we're starting now to go oh you, you probably do if I wanted to, to get a Canvent calendar I would think about ordering it now <laughs> if I was in it, it, being in Melbourne but it, it, it must be worse in Melbourne because we've been getting you know we, we get um, emails from breweries saying look we're sending you some stuff to try and you know within four or five days it's uh, pretty much generally here without problems so there must be a whole added layer of um, precaution that's going on just internally in Melbourne because some of the um, beers that we've been sent are coming from Melbourne and arriving here um, quicker. Oh, than you're, getting, you're getting stuff before I do. Yeah, you're getting the same media samples, for example. Um, it sounds from like a, a brewery it. I can almost walk to, and you're getting them three weeks ahead of me. Um, but if you track, if you do the tracking, um, parcels pretty much now. Uh, if you post a parcel in Melbourne to a, the suburb next door in Melbourne, it goes to Sydney to be sorted. Because the the first rule of lockdown is don't talk about lockdown and or while we're doing it. But the second rule is, um, you know, you've got to cut your, um, regardless of how much space you've got, regardless of your practices and precautions, you're only allowed 50% of your um, of your workforce. So you've got is everybody now sending everything by parcel. Workforce or is it that's just a precaution that, uh, business con- continuity precaution that businesses are taking because I know that you know um, no no it's mandated oh it's mandated okay well you know I, I I can hear your frustration and I can understand it and as somebody who's not experiencing the level that's going on in Melbourne um, it's you know very easy to to, to say um, but I you know I, I I'm trying to sort of turn those red thoughts into green thoughts and say look I wouldn't want to be making these decisions and you know everybody's doing the best that they can to prevent the spread of something that we you know still don't fully understand um but uh yeah anyway back you know that, that's anyway that's, can vent calendars can vent calendars yeah <laughs> if you're if you're in melbourne order one now well and i've just given myself a use case even though i don't want one for myself um for reasons I'm, i might start i might sort out a, a few Christmas gifts and gift a few um, there you go. To, to support the businesses. And look, getting back to our original format, it is, I think it's a great opportunity for somebody to, you know, literally the, the whole purpose of the sampler, you know, you go back to the it's the show bag, it's, you know, uh, get a little bit of a lot of different businesses and then you, you know, make your notes and go, actually, oh, I've never had that brewery and it's not one that I'd, you know, seek out or it's not one that's readily available to me. I'm going to look for them now because that beer was an absolute cracker. Yeah, well, and and I guess the other element of it is, you know, when when you are advertising Canvent calendars in, you know, the, the second week of September, uh, and you're starting to sort of uh, tease them, um, it is a little bit like the hot cross buns. Um, hey, actually, is it like the hot cross buns? Because the, the just the come logistics... out, just come out in coals this week. <laughs> the hot cross Easter buns. buns, Easter buns, seriously, <laughs> or don't they no, wait seriously. till after January? You know. No, no. Oh yeah, January for yeah for the that'll be for the following year. 
<laughs> okay, okay. But you know, th- there are a lot of logistics involved in advent calendars, and you know, you, you want to get, you, you need to get the the beers made. You know, which, which has you know, hot cross buns, are hot cross buns. You can make hot cross buns today and sell them tomorrow. A beer advent calendar, um, you need to actually do a lot of planning for. So you know, I'm, I'm not going to sort of be too hard on uh, September advent calendar advertising. Nah, fair enough. Um, now, Matt, speaking of, uh, you know, taking things easy and looking after your health and, and all that sort of thing, can I interest you in a non-alcoholic beer? I wonder if Canvent uh, calendars are going to feature any non-alcoholic beers uh, this year, which is kind of like eggnog without the brandy. That's it, <laughs> which is just nog, or is it egg? Um, but either way, um, so maybe you – yeah, so you've, it, it's, it goes by date, doesn't it? So the 1st of December, 2nd December. If we had the 0 of December, you could have naught. <laughs> And that's Nort, N-O-R-T. Um, Which has just been launched by Modus. Uh, yes. A brand new product um, comes out next Wednesday, 100% crafted, non-alcoholic, refreshing ale, sold nationally through Dan Murphy's BWS and leading independent bottle shops and grocers. This is an interesting one because I, I think this is a, a space that, um, you know, more smaller brewers will start moving into. But it does beg the question, Matt, if you don't have the alcohol that kind of keep everything mellow and chilled and settled is pasteurization the only alternative to, to prevent re-fermentation there's so much interesting uh, about this because we've seen um, a couple of the developing trends or the trends that people are looking to um, get into uh, seltzers which we've talked ad nauseum literally ad nauseum if you've tasted them um, and <laughs> and then alcohol-free beer um and seltzers is something because it's a fermented product. It's just getting the ingredients in, making sure that you can produce them in your existing brew house um, and have the techniques to do it. Um, the alcohol-free beer is a little bit more challenging because, you know, when we've seen the big brewers, you know, famously Heineken Zero and uh, Carlton Zero, you know, there's millions of dollars worth of uh, vacuum uh, distilling equipment that's involved in making those big beers where they literally suck in the guts out of the beer to create a non-alcoholic beer flavored beverage yeah now bearing in mind i'm a, as i've said many times uh, i'm a humanity student not a science student but in a vacuum liquids boil um at lower temperatures um alcohol uh boils at a lower temperature than water um so you know when you're sort of taking those factors if you heat alcoholic product um up in a vacuum the alcohol boils off you know and so do some of the flavor volatiles you then uh separate those add the flavor volatiles back in and you've essentially removed the alcohol from a, a beer and managed to keep a lot of the flavors um is is the sort of back of the envelope sketch of the process but it's a very expensive process and equipment heavy yeah, and equipment heavy. So certainly out of the it, – it's a trend that doing it that way is out of the reach of craft brewers. The other way of doing it um, is using yeast that don't fully ferment out certain sugars. And so, you know, depending on how you mash the – mash in the grains, um, pre, you know, prepare the, 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 the wort – these yeasts that have been uh, specially selected for the way that they ferment, um, you know, they so you get a fermented product. They they tend to have a few more carbs in um, than uh, you know a fully fermented beer. So so for the layman, more residual sugar. It, it's a, yeah, it's a, I think it's a called in a, the end product arrested fermenta- fermentation technique, and this is why we like we probably need a uh, like a technical editor um, just. Because I always feel a little bit concerned about giving these explanations, because these are the way I explain it to myself. But it's not a scientific, um, technical well, explanation. Listeners, yeah, if we have a listener out there, if you're listening, if you have um, some big Poindexter glasses <laughs> and a lab coat and a clipboard, send your resume and a picture. Either that, or just critique, yeah, critique our explanations. We're quite happy to be, uh, <laughs> because it's that's how we learn. But yeah, the, so so the arrested fermentation technique that is is yeast based um, is in the. Uh, you know, capabilities of craft brewers because they can just order, you know, from uh, Bintani or uh, Cry Malt, you know, the, the the special yeast that they can use and then make the beer. The downside with um, doing it that way is because you do have more sugars left in the um, beer, like not sugar, sugar, so don't you know, get all 
head up about people who want a low sugar diet. It's um, yeah, so the maltose. Um, but if if you get bacteria, um, you know, you don't need too much. A little bit can re-ferment in the bottle, um, and you also don't have alcohol, which is an inhibitor to um, things spoiling and yeah, re-fermentation. Spoiling, yeah, yeah, yeah. Re- re-fermentation. So. Because they don't have alcohol in, they're more susceptible to those sorts of things. So in terms of shelf life, you, you have uh, some problems. So um, even the yeast manufacturers, and when I was in Lille last year, back when we can travel at the Fermentus Academy, they were talking about um, how many uh, pasteurization units you need for certain types of yeast and certain types of beers to make sure and it's certainly a recommendation so when you see anyway that's a very long way of saying when you see craft breweries bringing out a low alcohol beer my first question is oh okay so how have you done it because there are starting to be some lower cost um, fermenters on the market but it's still a big investment um, you know for a for a craft brewery for an untested market um, that they're probably experimenting, um, and so they uh, we are seeing um, you know brewers working very very closely with um, people with the uh, proper kit, such as uh, Tribe and uh, Brick Lane, who are producing the beers under the the close guidance from from craft brewers. But uh, I, I think as we see more and more brewers entering the space, and particularly if the uh, alcohol free beer does have legs. We will start seeing breweries buying their own, you know, taking it in house, much as they have with uh, canning lines. And and like everything else, maybe you, you look back at what is it, cross flow filtration systems, and even canning machines you mentioned, and all those other things that used to be. It's only for the big boys because of the size and the cost. Um, it's like any any other, you know, consumer electronics products. You know, TVs get simpler and and a lot cheaper. You know, the bigger they get, sort of thing, and uh, you know, the the technology develops. So, um, presumably, it's not that far away that the smaller brewers will will have that sort of stuff available to them. Absolutely, and we we saw that with canning, and uh, there was a great article that we republished um, that we wrote ten years ago, even before Australian. Uh, so Jay Brooks wrote for us, I should say, um, that uh, you know, even before Australian breweries were canning, um, he talked about how you know, since seeing the rise of craft beer, Cask uh, created a smaller canning line for craft breweries. Um, that led to greater demand for canned beer, which saw other players come in. And then you see, you know, the just the, the scale um, bring the price down. Um, Pasteurisation is um, something that most craft breweries don't do. Um, and so there isn't demand for it. But I think as we, particularly if we see the low alcohol or the zero alcohol trend um, take up, I think we will see um, the price come down on craft-oriented pasteurising lines that will see it, it take up. And, you know, the, the other thing, Pete, we've talked about it in the podcast in the past, pasteurising, you know, is a dirty word in craft beer still. And to be honest, I, I think it's one of those things that anything that craft brewers can't do they want to say is bad. Well, it's not that long ago, Matt, that every, anything that was outside the Ryan Heitschke boat was kind of considered verboten, dare I say, um, by craft brewers. And, and, and you know, slowly the, you know, two things. One, we mature as an industry and two, the um, the products that previously are only available to the big brewers are now available to smaller brewers and, and there's, a, there's a market for, for what they can produce. So, um, it's not that you're compromising your original pr- principles. It's just I think you, you're learning and you're growing, you know, on the journey. Well, well, as, as, as brewers and as drinkers, you, you, you're not compromising your original principles, but sometimes you're digging a ditch to you know you, you to, to die in that isn't actually about a principle. It's about a um, marketing campaign, and you know, like a I don't I don't I think I threw so many metaphors. That was a metaphor spaghetti. Um, but anything that we can't do will say matters. Um, and, you know, we, we saw it with um, you know, when breweries were first, craft breweries were first trying to get beer on tap and they were finding it hard because contracts were being held up as the reason they couldn't get beer on taps. And contracts are evil. And then suddenly we saw some breweries big enough to start having, you know, uh, financial Lever- commercial Lever- arrangements. <laughs> we, 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 we won't call it contracts, but we'll call it certain commercial arrangements with venues um, that, you know, were geared towards them having, you know, 
this is my tap and I know that this is going to be beer that is going to be you know, my beer that's going to be pouring through this tap. And suddenly, you know, the conversation around contracts becomes a little bit more nuanced. Um, the use of adjuncts, you know, and, and as you said, you know, the Reinheitsgebot was something malt water, hops and yeast. Unless we're making Belgian beers, then we'll throw in a little bit of um, candy, you know, sugar, candy or sugar or, you sugar, know, beet sugar. Yeah, or some orange <laughs> peel. Well, if we're throwing in orange peel, why can't we throw in or, you know, these uh, um, stouts? Always used pineapple to pastry milkshake. <laughs> yeah, it's, and they're happening. Um, you know, oh, you know those uh, low carb beers are ridiculous. Um, you know, they're they're terrible, and you can only make them if you throw enzymes in, and enzymes are bad. You know, until. You know, hey, IPAs. People, people are wanting brute IPA. Oh, yeah. well, that's not <laughs> yeah. so bad. No, look like yeah. And and, and, and all and, of that, it's 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 perception creep. And pasteurising yeah. is seems to be. I, I can't think of too many things that small brewers are still you know will go toe to toe with you about. And I've had some big arguments about pasteurising. Mazen Hajar, if you're listening, um, you know. I was just going to say, just you know, speaking of creep. Um, good <laughs> I mean, sorry. Speaking of contracts. <laughs> Contracts. Uh, g'day to, to Muzzin. Um, but yeah, so, so I mean, Muzzin is, is a big one for saying that it kills your beer. And as soon as lockdown's done, one of the first things we're going to do is do the great pasteurised beer test so we can see whether you can taste the difference between pasteurised and unpasteurised beer um, to, to put that to the test. But, you know... I'd... This this pasteurisation thing has had, had more planning going into it than the, <laughs> than the Napoleonic Wars. Well, we... we mate, all good things we, come we, to those possibly who a similar result. <laughs> There'll be bloodshed and carnage across the fields. There won't be, but anyway, no, there won't. Anyway, anyway very exciting on. to see uh, more crap. But uh, actually, and that's I can't um, believe we spent so much time talking about non-alcoholic beer. Well, no, um, and I, I've got to make up for Jimmy who uh, saw this in the social media feed and sent it to me and was quite keen to talk about it because he's a big fan of uh, no alcohol beer. But um, it, it does segue quite nicely into the next story by looking at the last paragraph of the next story and then we can work our way back, is that um, Brewdog, I caught up with uh, Calvin just to uh, check a few things with him and he, uh, apropos of nothing really, said that you know they've ordered their pasteuriser. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Brewdog announced that their, f- their first four beers packaged, their first four Australian-made beers, um, and were still importing their alcohol-free beers because they didn't have a pasteuriser. Um, but they're the so so they won't put out an, a, a non-alcoholic beer without pasteurising it themselves. No, so for, that's, for that's just the the route that they will go down. And look, past, uh, Brewdog, you, you cannot doubt their commitment to quality of their beers um, and and making them. So yeah, so they do pasteurise because it is just you know, law, um, L-A-W, um, that you pasteurise your alcohol-free beers if you want any sort of shelf life. So, yes, but they, they've put in an, an order for a pasteuriser, And I can't think of, outside of Stone and Wood, you know, any craft brewers that have a pasteuriser. Can you think of anyone? So, and separating Tribe and... Um, and Brick Lane. Brick Lane. Yeah, but so, so as in standalone. Because they're equally production breweries as well as having their own home brands and you know so they're full service production brewery yeah yeah no i think stoner would would be the only one i can that i know that i'm aware of yeah so yeah so kudos to uh, brewdog because they did have their big global uh, sustainability initiative that they launched at the end of august um and you know food miles is a big part of that so you know it, in terms of taking their control of their destiny in-house and cutting down the beers that they have to send um, to Australia. Uh, yeah, um, I, I still think some of the overworked beers, which is their sour barrel-aged beers, will be um, imported. But um, I'll, I'll catch up with Calvin. And I know that Calvin uh, listens to the podcast, um, that uh, he might even we, we might even uh, go out and have a chat to him and catch up with uh, what their intentions around the uh, overworked beers as well. Well, I must, I must say too, Matt, that I do have a bit of a, a soft spot for um, the Brewdog tap room at um, up there in Brisbane because I think that might be, if I can, if I'm thinking correctly, the last time <laughs> that was the last brew pub I, I visited uh, was with you. It was a beautiful day. We had some cracking beers, 
Uh, Brewdog hunts for Australian bar locations. Uh, as it prepares to celebrate the first anniversary since opening its aforementioned Brisbane brewery, Brewdog is reportedly actively seeking locations for its Australian bars. Career Mail reports that the Scottish brewer has given an open-ended appointment to global commercial real estate services firm Cushman and Wakefield to find the right location between 500 and 1,000 square metres plus external slash rooftop slash terrace space. The um, Some of the locations under consideration south brisbane west end fortitude valley and bowen hills um, for the bar with the plan being to open by the end of the of next year in addition to brisbane finding melbourne and sydney locations are also priorities for the brewer who already operates more than 80 bars globally so starbucks for beer bowen hills will be an interesting one i think there's probably a bit of real estate there in the, uh, in the showgrounds region that's being fairly underutilised, it's fair to say. There is, and uh, when you look at the their requirements for the bar, um, you know, they're, they're sort of looking for, I think, four-metre, you know, roof space with rooftop and terrace and those sorts of things. So, uh, yeah, look, and, you know, BrewDog made no secret. I think they'd actually posted to social media, but even before the dog tap opened, that they were looking for bars. Um, mm. And, you know, asking their um, followers to suggest some areas. Well, here's an interesting one just with the way – because obviously all that, that planning was, and the, the previous 80 uh, bars are all pre-COVID. Would you look at perhaps, you know, not – I don't want to kind of indicate, you know, the vulture swooping in on the bones, but would you look at some existing locations that perhaps people um, are unable to uh, revitalise uh, or would you go, well, let, let's build something new so that and, – and then we build it with – uh, I guess social distancing, and you know, instead of salt and pepper on the table, you have masks and <laughs> hand sanitizer. I don't know. I don't know, but uh, yeah, no, it's look, you know, it, it's exciting to see. It's uh, you know, I, I guess a vote of confidence to their um, to, to their business strategy and how how well they're doing. Um, and yeah, we'll see. Of course, you know, that was one of the criticisms of the support you know when the Queensland government wanted to you know shout from the rafters that they'd lured an international brewer to Brisbane before they'd done anything for their own local brewers that was always you know the, the criticism because uh, yes you know new new breweries may employ people but I think there's a bit of a zero-sum uh, game to hospitality venues um in, in you know in terms of job creation because unless you're getting more people out um, or getting people out more often uh, people tend to shift from one venue to another um, and and to, to some extent we've seen that with some of the stories that have come out with felons it's been such a big venue that some of the hospitality venues at Southbank were reporting that you know their trade was down as people shifted where they went and uh, you know when the Queensland government wanted to say well we've done this awesome thing um, if Brewdog's strategy was more on the we're going to open bars to sell our beers side, then you're actually importing competition for your local um, homegrown, you know, uh, yeah, entrepreneurs. Yeah. But whether that happens, but again, you know, once they're here, um, you know, they I don't think they were done any particular favours um, for the Queensland government grant that they got. It was uh, like a, a grant that any sort of business can apply for and get. Um, and it's often how the Queensland government wants to take credit for <laughs> for what they've done post facto. Yeah. Interesting to see. Now, Matt, you and I are both old enough to remember back in the day when advertising was really it was it was it was a TV ad or you know radio or, or billboard. Um, and when it came to fragrances, do you remember, you know, she's a Charlie girl or aren't you wearing tweed? Is it now all of a sudden, poor, you smell like a brewery? <laughs> Thirst, a scent by VB confirmed as, you're sitting down, folks, the fastest selling Australian fragrance ever. Thirst, a scent by VB is confirmed by Chemist Warehouse to be the fastest selling fragrance in Australian history, selling over 25,000 units in the first 72 hours after its launch on the 13th of August. Due to the high demand, Chemist Warehouse quickly sold out and started taking pre-orders for the next um, the next brew, the next batch of stock, <laughs> which is set to hit stores in early October. Who, who, who's, who's the famous quote, there's no accounting for taste? 
this doesn't smell of beer. Like it's it's the the I haven't smelt it, but you know I've been watching the comments and the engagement on social media um, fairly closely. And you know there there are people that have weighed in, you know, sort of saying, "Look, mate, you'd be surprised. It actually doesn't smell too bad because it's 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 not a beer scent. No, it no, is. It, no. You know, it's no but different it contains to super pride. Um, essence I, of super pride. I well, I, I think that's you know. Um, or is yeah. it a bit like a, a hopped gin or um, you oh, know, no, hopped... I, 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 I think the hops are just there to sort of provide some loose tie. I don't think they add anything to the fragrance from what I can sense. But it's, I mean, it, it's no different to Matthew McConaughey putting his brand on Wild Turkey or whatever he does or Khloe Kardashian. All right, all right, all right. You know, putting um, a name on... I don't, I, were you just doing Khloe Kardashian or were you doing Matthew McConaughey? No, that was Matthew McConaughey. Not a very good one. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it's like it, it, it's throwing a uh, an identifiable brand that's going to resonate with a certain demographic or a certain audience on the label um, to you know encourage them to buy it. I don't think it's got anything to do with beer. Um, you know, if if you're going to scoff, um, you know, we're not talking about it selling at the David Jones, uh, you know, fragrance section. You know, in in the foyer of uh, David Jones, it's Chemist Warehouse, which is famous for knockoff um, products. And the previous fastest seller was Hamish by Andy. So, you know, we're not <laughs> we're not talking. We're, um, we're coming off a low bar. We're coming off a low bar. Um, but you know, as I've said number of times this week. You know, if I have to write with a straight face about some of the, you know, beers that are coming out, craft beers are coming out that have everything thrown, every ingredient thrown at them and have a tendency to explode um, unless you keep them refrigerated, you know, I'm I'm certainly not going to throw shade at this marketing um, by VB. It it does show, Matt, it does show just what a powerful brand VB, because put it put it put it another way. Let's let's take another one like Coca Cola or Nike. If they mm-hmm. bought out a, a fragrance, or not, perhaps not Nike. Let's say you know similar. Let's go with you know liquid beverage. Do you reckon it'd have the same? But I don't know that Coke. That's the thing. I don't know that Coke. People have a preference for Coke. I don't know that people have a passion for Coke. You know, they they might have a strong view Coke oh, in the same way as like a strong brand. Like yeah, uh, there is something Coke about beer. Shit. Yeah, but um, with beer, it's it's more. You are a VB a, a person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, Holden. You know, I think if Holden, Holden brought it forward, out, yeah. there's a more you know emotional investment in that. And yeah. uh, potato cakes versus <laughs> scallops. Scallop potato <laughs> cake scallops. No, I think that's more cake Pepsi, Coke Pepsi. Um, Palmy versus Palmer. Yeah, you know, I was surprised. You know, having looked at VB as a brand in decline um, compared to Great Northern, um, the engagement on it you just like I'm, I'm not going to scoff i'm not going to laugh i'm not going to sneer probably even the way that i once would have because there is you know there was such engagement i was actually getting phone calls when we covered it the first time um, and we just put up the media release um, but because bruce news was near the top of the google tree when you were googling vb um you know fragrance um, people would come up with a story. They would assume that because it was at the top of the you know, Google searches that it was for the VB fra- fragrance. I would hit the contact me, my numbers on the side. And I was getting phone calls over that weekend from Western Australia going, oh, look, my local chemist warehouse, are you going to be making again? And I said, oh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm actually a beer writer who wrote about it. You know, I've got no, I can't even tell you who to contact. But, you know, there was ridiculous levels of engagement um, for the, for the fragrance, um, and it did sell out. And uh, you know, it, I think for our craft beer community who are listening, if you can get that sort of buy-in with your brand, um, you know, you're doing something well. You just brought up a point that made me think of something interesting. <laughs> VB obviously, has, whereas that was interesting, rare. but it's made you think of something interesting. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, that's, that's how, How's that's how Matthew works. McConaughey again? No, no, I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> anyway. Not, not you, for you. You no, had an interesting special treat. And you should hear my Owen Wilson is even better. Anyway, we've um, VB chosen rather than, you know, perhaps a newer brand like and, and arguably uh, better value to CUB at the moment, like Great Northern. like or Or, or can we see maybe 
VB for the you know the city fragrance or the you know the tradie or whatever. But when you go away, we've got Great Northern. Uh, well, look, I, I, I don't know, but you know, having a guess, I'd imagine that because Great Northern is a brand that's ascendant. Um, just because it's a strong brand and it's it's a beer, they're not going to want to mess around with it, you know. Because Cause, cause this, interesting point again, Matt. That's two in a row. But uh, <laughs> you just made me think. There are I'm two, glad I don't make you either think. hitch you either hitch your your product or your your wagon to the ascendant, or you're trying to keep uh, another brand alive. Are there are there really when you're that size? Are there two ways of doing it? Yeah, no, that's what, I was, that's what I was thinking. You know, when your brand is ascendant, you don't want to risk doing anything that might break it. Um, you know, you, or like, slow it down. Or yeah. slow it down. Yeah. Um, or, or something that hurts the brand because, well, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it and keep doing what you're doing. Um, whereas, because it was when VB started to decline that that's when they started messing around with what they were doing and hasten the decline. So I think when VB is declining already well you know we've got a little bit more freedom to try things um that might reinforce the brand than we do if the brand is is, is very strong and we're more likely to hurt the brand um yeah that, that would be yeah. my guess I'd, I'd love to get the so if it don't break don't and it's moving forward don't tinker with it yeah yep. and it, it look it, it's one of those things i'd love to speak to the actual marketer about it you, you just know that because it's their job. It's not their job to be completely transparent um, and tell you, well, yeah, look, we've, we figured we're on hiding to nothing, so we might as well you know, give it a try um, because that admits that the brand isn't as strong as I would like it to be. But maybe we can get a uh, marketer on that. We can, can talk a little bit about the, the, the strategy uh, around that. Yeah. And look, it's a great little package. It's shaped like a, like a stubby, I guess, but with, a, you know, with, the, with the squirty, what do you call it, the atomizer on the top. I wonder where they got their labels from, man. Mate, well, if if you had an old perfume bottle and you wanted to throw a little bit of um, yeah, just mix all the stink that you've got that's you know that's been given over thirty years of Father's Days and birthdays and Christmas, and you just go, oh, I'm just going to put this all together, stick it in something, and whack on a label from our very good friends at Rellings Label Stickers and Packaging, because that's where I would go. I would call one three hundred eight five two two three five to find out more. I don't know about you, Matt, but that's what I'd do. And that's and that would be a uh, a great place to go. And in fact, I caught up with the Rallings guys far too briefly um, at uh, the launch of the TAFE Froth Rookies beer um, when the IBA chapter Queensland chapter caught up at, at uh, South Brisbane TAFE um, and got to sample some of the beers from the new uh, the, the first intake of students from the new TAFE course. Oh, well, for all of those of us who are only allowed out once uh, for once a day for an hour, um, tell <laughs> so, us more about. Well, we can do uh, these sorts of things because we washed our hands. Um, that's good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, look, the... Um, Did, uh, so have you tried the beer or was it just the kegging of the beer? It's not No, 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 no the, the beers are on tap at the... The South Brisbane TAFE has a... Because it's always been the... I think it used to be the School of Tourism and Hospitality and is now all part of the South of Brisbane TAFE. Um, where the students who are doing the... Oh, so you certi- teach them how, how to pull a beer and all that sort of stuff. Well, they've got hospitality there. They've got... I think that's where the bakery course is run. That's where the chefs uh, are all trained centrally. And so it's, it makes sense that the, the brewing side. And so, yeah, so as, as much as possible, they try and use their student-produced stuff. And uh, got to try there was a lager, a mid-strength um, session ale and a dark beer. And, yeah, very, very nice uh, beers. You know, congratulations to you know the, the, the staff and uh, our, our good friend um, Phil from the Royal Queensland Beer Awards um, is one of the students that's there and uh, I don't know which of the, the beers was his in particular but it tasted very nice and uh, yeah so it's quite exciting to just to, to see the Phil's a very sensible bloke so I go with the mid-strength <laughs> so uh, but yeah no it, it it was great to see and it was also good to get a bit of feedback you know Hendo Steve Henderson um, is one of the teachers at TAFE and uh, had a really great uh, presentation about how it's going. They're tweaking the course. This course was run during the day, and so all of the students were from outside of the industry. They're launching more of an evening part-time course to you know make it a little bit more industry available to uh, to uh, junior brewers 
currently working um, and they'll only have to give up one day to be in the brew house and then they'll do some online uh, streaming of some of the theory. Um, But it's, yeah, very, very exciting to see. Excellent. Uh, Which brings us to the mailbag. Don't forget, review us on iTunes or send us in an email and you can be in the draw for the letter of the week. And you can also join our Facebook group. Just search Radio Brews News. The um, password, you've got to say it out the side of your mouth, is Soapbox. That's Soapbox. Um, all letter writers will receive a Deblu Bakes cookie and go into the draw to win a mixed six-pack thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel. Uh, Daniel Ridd, speaking of uh, loyal, yeah, in the Facebook group. And this is an interesting one because Daniel is often uh, – Daniel's uh, regional uh, Victoria-based, so they have had fewer um, restrictions and those are about to be relieved, uh, released, reduced fairly soon. But I was in a bottle shop yesterday chatting with the guy behind the counter about their craft beer and what was moving well. The subject turned to seltzers. Wouldn't be an episode of Good Brews Week, would it, Matt, without um, – Having a crack at ABAC, <laughs> Fair, or Seltzers. I was curious to see what they had. Chirpy and Quincy were both there, as well as a couple of others, but they were organised oddly in the fridge. Some that I thought would be in the same drinks category were arranged separately, as if they were different beverage styles. It seemed to highlight confusion around the category. What is a seltzer? Um, appreciating that there are a couple of different ways to do it and where they fit. Although it helps, I appreciate that retailers don't need to be experts. I don't mean to sound critical, but it prompted me to ponder the question. If the retailers can't tell the difference, will the consumers? I would also add in there, Daniel, if they don't care, then, you know, the retailers don't care if the consumers don't care. I feel this one might be won by whoever can build the strongest brand, but then I suppose that's always the case to some degree. Good point. It's such an immature um, category, Uh you know, when RTDs... Emerging, emerging. Well, it's immature. Then still, you know, this is really the first summer of seltzer. So the breweries are only just launching them. Oh, um, hashtag summer of seltzer. I'm going to write <laughs> that one down and start that one trading. Um, and, you know, there's only a handful of them. And if you work in, walk into most bottle shops, um, you'll see that, you know, there are, you know, craft beer, mainstream beer, you've got your chilled wines um you know you, you've got your sparklings you've got your rtds there's there's a handful people don't necessarily want to go looking for them and that, so that they don't have a place for them yet um because but, but they haven't found their yeah. yeah their their niche in the in the fridge yeah I, I, it was interesting a lot of the comments uh, indicated that yeah depending on you know who it was and where you went that, that they would appear in different places so it's not like you can even walk into one place and then go into another place of similar type and look for them in the same spot at the moment. But that's also, you know, as you made the point, I'm pretty sure you made the point with Dave Padden on the podcast this week that once upon a time you might have walked into a bottle shop and had uh, beers ordered by brewery. So you could sort of go, these days it's much more by style. So, the, yeah. you know, one of the the arguments behind the, the having a strong brand is that, you know, if you're looking at the pale ales and then you're looking at the, you know, stouts um you want a brand to, to to leap out so if there's a brand that you have comfort in buying um or security in buying you can go oh i know them they're, they're good quality oh funny thing too matt speaking like uh, 10 years ago chuck Hahn, um when they were designing uh working on the design of the james squire range it was designed to be seen as a block so you had the, the the imagery of the you know the the brand identity of the James Squire, and then each each style would be a different colour, but they were designed to sort of all be seen in one thing. And he was he really lamented the fact that um, we were moving towards, even though you know Chuck was a big one for promoting beer, you know, different styles of, of of beer. Yeah, and and I mean that in itself is a you know is an interesting thing because I, I guess it depends on who you're shelving your beers for you know if it's the discoverer who knows that they like a certain style they can yeah, work yeah, through yeah. that style so who else makes that who else makes a pale ale or who, who else, else makes, makes a, a pale ale of the same yeah, style yeah, yeah. and so that way you can sort of you know go vertically across a style um or you can go you know horizontally into the next style yeah yeah and, and sort of you know work your way up and you know, all, all of those sorts. And it's, it's a very hard thing. You know, back when we used to do the um, Beer Guide, beer, what was it called? Beer Guide to Australia? Or the Beer Lover's Guide to beer Australia. Beer Lover's Guide to Australia. And, uh, you know, I was sort of trying to work out what is the way to explain to people a, a nice um, 
progress. Um, and it's, I came up with a, like an idea like the London underground map where you, you, you start at the centre, which is a fairly neutral flavour, um, and that would be you know, something that most people have a, an affinity with already, which is lager. And then you, you know, basically start having spokes out from, you know, towards sours, dark beers in, you know, gradually darker and from from a centre point gradually working out well if you like something that's got a little bit of malt character here are a range of beers and then they branch off based on styles but it got bloody complicated and it's it, it's hard to try and um, you know quickly and easily explain to people a little bit about beers and beer styles and flavours and I even saw an article from a Cicerone trying to say that you know is it useful to even tell people the difference between ales and lagers given you know you, you can have some ales that, you know, like a Schwarzbier and a Stout can be, um, for a, a, an uninformed consumer, a very, very similar flavour. Yep, and as Richard Benny from um, Blackman's Brewery points out, that, you know, that lager yeast is just another colour in the artist's palette. Absolutely, it, it, it is, but they're still two very distinct arms of beer, even though there can be some, you know, they, they don't extend... Um, away from each other they still run parallel to each other and so there's some you know ability to you know reach across from Schwarzbier to stout for example in terms of flavor characteristics but they're still very different arms of the beer and I don't think it's you know whilst we are looking for ways to explain beer to consumers I still think that that is a useful way to think of you know different arms of beer and it's not you know because they're, they're not the red and white of the the, the wine world. I'm just thinking, Matt, uh, back to your, uh, you know, the London underground map analogy. Where do you think you would find an imperial sour milkshake pastry stout IPA? <laughs> would it just be in its own little, like, uh, little city loop? Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, it, it, and, it, would, it would Until be the, the engine disappears <laughs> up the caboose. It would be the uh, terminus station at Nonsenseville. <laughs> there we go. If if somebody wants to use that as a brand name for their next beer, <laughs> uh, Shane Despritzer on the um, the Brews News Facebook page uh, had some comments about the re uh, the, the VB fragrance. So many dads wishing they'd just got socks or scratchies <laughs> for Father's Day like last year. Yeah, Shane. Look, as I said, I understand. Shane, so many, so many obviously were sad because they only got socks and scratchies because their stupid disloyal kids didn't get off their ass quick enough to go to chemist warehouse and get and them buy it in time before it sold first. out. But there was plenty of Hamish by Andy or Amish Andy by Hamish um, <laughs> on the shelves as a as a fullback. Is it like in a little wooden bottle and oh, it's just no you know idea. just very plain? I've got no idea. Oh that's Amish by Andy. <laughs> gotcha. All right, all right, all right. Anyway. Uh That'll do it. That'll do it for this week. We're running over time. Considering yeah. there's just the two of us, we didn't have to include four voices. Um, I thought it would have been a quick one. But I uh, hope you're all uh, enjoying what we're bringing to you. And a great chat with um, with Dave Patton. It was great to catch up with Dave. There are people like Dave who I would probably, you know, if when we go back to the original podcast, you know, when this format. first started, the original format, the idea was we have, you know, three or four industry people to discuss the um, news of the week. And I think the first one, it was um, the, the, the very first Lost episode um, was you, me, um, Kira Lee, and I think Ian Watson was on it? No, no, James Smith. No, no, that was the first published one. We we did a demo um, beforehand that had Ian Watson. No. Oh, okay. No, I, yeah, well, yeah. I wasn't part of that one. Oh, mate, I'm sure you would have been. Like, I, I can't imagine doing it without you. No, definitely. Well, anyway, the first. Well, the first. No, the, the, the actually, first, well, the first one, one we published. That went to air. You're right. Was yeah. was Kiralee and and James Smith. James and, and, and the idea. Um, we just didn't have the technology to make it uh, work. But you know, Dave Padden's one of those guys that I could speak to week on week um, because again, you know, he lives it. He thinks it. Constantly thinking about beer. You know, very much looking at what's going on internationally overseas. So yeah, if you haven't listened to it yet, and uh, you know, when I, when I look at the download traffic. This weekly news summary always has more downloads. Amazingly, I don't, you know, when it's just us talking about the news, um, it always gets more downloads than the conversational ones. But the conversational ones, because they're not as timely, I think people, you know, our listeners go back and, you know, when they're on a flight, they'll suddenly do a burst of two or three 
interviews, um, listen to two or three of the interviews, and so they're constantly ticking over, whereas the news of the week, we, we, gee, I need to listen to that to hear what the news of the week was, and then I'll go back and listen to it. But uh, the Dave Padden one, well worth listening to. Definitely. And, and when I say the Dave Padden one, I'm talking about our Dave Padden one, not... <laughs> Everyone else's. <laughs> Not everyone else's. Apparently week. everyone spoke to Dave Padden this week. We, yeah, anyway. We're, we're, we're looking at you, Beer Healer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, to Relling's label stickers and packaging, and of course to Cryer Malt, uh, who have been supporting us for so long. Your support is very much appreciated, as is yours for listening. Uh, until next week, thanks very much, Matt. Thank you very much, Pete. Get out there and uh, enjoy stuff. I will, mate. I'll, you, I'll enjoy Jimmy it on your Claire. behalf. Enjoy the rest of your holidays. And, uh, yeah, look, go out. Go to we, – we need to – Victorians need to see people out and enjoying stuff because it, we're almost forgetting that it, it can actually be done. But do you want us to share? That's the thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy to live vicariously through the lives of others, Matt. You know that. Um, but until then, uh, look after each other. Drink fresh. Drink local. And wash your damn hands. And look after yourself as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you've got to be kind to yourself. Grab, grab a nice beer. Just have, maybe grab something that's, you know, oh, it's a bit of an indulgence. It's a bit, you know, but no, just go and do it. It's an affordable luxury in these, in these uh, uncertain times. That's right. And tell anyone, if, if anyone, you know, argues the odds with you, say, Prof told me I had to. All right, <laughs> there you go. Until next week, that's it for a Bruise News Week. We'll see you all next week for the next episode. And we're out. Boom. Oh, no, no, no. Right. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> wow. It's just like this episode that just, wow. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. 